Welcome to The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Today, as part of our family, you will experience the life-changing and spirit-nurturing Word of God. Please enjoy this time with us as we're committed to helping you grow in knowledge, grow in faith, and grow in God. St. Mark Baptist Church, you grow here. Well, welcome back to the Growth Factor podcast. My name is Pastor John, and this is a broadcast ministry of the St. Mark Baptist Church here in Little Rock, Arkansas. I am joined, as always, by our senior pastor, Dr. Philip L. Pointer Sr., and we're in the middle of a series around our theme of Dig Deeper this year, but our series is now Make It Make Sense. And today, on this episode, we're going to teach you some lessons on language. Pastor Pointer, I'm excited about this. Yeah, this is this is we're going to we're going to Bible nerd out today. <laughs> we're going to Bible nerd out. Um, but we want especially, John, I really want uh, those who are listening and watching to grab that this is doable. Yeah. Um, for for the common lay person. Mm-hmm. Um, there are tools out here to help engage biblical languages um, so that you don't have to necessarily be able to recite <laughs> biblical languages uh, verbatim and speak it like you speak English mm-hmm. or read it like you read English, but there are tools to help you understand the scripture mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what we want to provide. We want to we let you know that it matters, mm-hmm. but also it's doable. Yeah, and, and even for people like us who studied Hebrew and Greek, I, I wouldn't say I'm fluent in biblical Hebrew or either Greek, but no. we have the tools at our disposal to be able to do that. Even for folks who have gone to school for this, y'all. Yeah. Uh, yes. We got English tools that we're going to give to y'all to help y'all with your words and word study. Now, I'm going to blow their mind here on the front end, right? Yeah, yeah. The Bible was not written in English. Was not written in English. Was not written in English. In fact, when the Bible was written, English wasn't even a language yet. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even around. Yeah, not It around. wasn't even around. Yeah. And on this episode, we're going to talk about the biblical languages, Mm -hmm. but we're also going to talk about uh, translations. Translations. And we're going to get on King James. Yeah. And I don't know if we're going to get in trouble, but but we're going to see. this wouldn't be the first time we've got in trouble on this on this study podcast, man. We 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 are, we are constantly in trouble. Right, so that's, right, right. that's what's going on. So so on this episode, here's what we want to do. We want to give you all an overview. We're still kind of in the big picture sense. We want to give you an overview of the languages in which the Bible was written and give you some context around that. And it's important for us to do that because these languages actually help us better understand the text themselves because if we read these words Mm -hmm. from a western perspective from an english perspective we sometimes miss the true meaning of some of these words if we don't understand their original context right yeah it's so important because we are you know we inherited a a western arrogance Uh culturally yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's you know it's, it's something we are born into that 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 when we think of things historically, mm-hmm. um, we are we inherited we're taught history from the European perspective. So mm-hmm. even when they talk about um, ancient cultures and ancient civilizations, they say this was so and so many years before it came to Europe, <laughs> or you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. There's always like Europe is the reference point, uh, or or and now it's come to 
further west into the U.S. The yeah. U.S. is always the reference point uh, for things historically and culturally. Mm-hmm. And this is a big, big part of one of the major misunderstandings of the Bible. We'll talk about cultural exegesis uh, later on, but yeah. um, it goes hand in hand with this reality. The language and culture um, in which these books were written mm. is very different than the language and culture that we have today. But there are eternal principles mm-hmm. that transcend language and transcend culture, mm-hmm. and that's what we're mining out mm-hmm. of the Scripture. We want the eternal God principle mm-hmm. of that, that matters in every language, in every culture, and in every time to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's why we look at the languages, because hearing the God message matters from the persons who wrote it and to whom they wrote it. Yeah. 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 And I think it's important for us to, and I kind of went through this thing in seminary where I felt like Greek was more friendly for me. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I was like, Oh, I'm not going to deal with this Hebrew stuff. Yeah. But when I learned that the new Testament authors were actually thinking about the Hebrew language mm-hmm. as they wrote, yes, it helped me understand the connection between the two. And also to put some focus on learning some of the Hebrew principles that, that are, are the foundation of Scripture. And, and John, just from a practical perspective, when you think about those two languages, you think about um, Hebrew and the Greek. I, I tell people all the time that, that my, my limited knowledge of those two, um, it seems to me people who are more analytical, mm. logical minded, they like Greek. Yeah. They like the rules. <laughs> they like the, you know, it's a, it's a standard. It's not, it's not like English that has all of these, you got a rule, then it's 10,000 things that break the rule. Right. <laughs> you know yeah, what I right. mean? It's kind of standard. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Hebrew is really a picture language. Yeah. It's still picture language. And so people who are artistic, people who are musical seem to gravitate to Hebrew more mm. uh, than they do. And especially because the Old Testament is written in a lot of poetry, yeah. uh, which is something we'll talk about yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, so we have alluded to this and we wanna kinda jump into it and tell you about these biblical languages. And we're gonna start with Hebrew. Yeah. Hebrew, so the Old Testament is largely written in the Hebrew language. Um, all the way from Genesis to Malachi, you're gonna see that it was written in Hebrew Uh, by various authors. Mm -hmm. And why is that important? Um, Because uh, the Hebrew language uh, developed a language around which the people could express who God is Mm -hmm. um, and then express that, remember we talked about salvation and redemption, that redemptive story through that language as they set in this Middle Eastern culture where there are languages developing around them. Yes. So Hebrew is a Semitic language, which mm-hmm. Semitic basically means Middle Eastern mm-hmm. around that area. Um, and they have their own language and culture, but we're going to see that they kind of adopt another language that mm-hmm. becomes normative for them. And we can talk about that, but I want to just sit on Hebrew here for a second. Yeah. And, and so here's the thing about Hebrew. I, I said it earlier. It's a picture language. So again, as humankind begin to develop writing, um, we initially wrote in pictures, mm-hmm. uh, and so one of the one of the ancient languages the, that still is active today is like uh, Chinese, which is a picture language. So the Chinese characters are actually pictures. Yeah. Um, so the the word for tree is actually a picture of a tree. It's so to speak. Uh, in the same way, Hebrew started as pictures, and then um, they became they 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 became more abbreviated, more abbreviated, more abbreviated, and then you come to 
what we have in the Hebrew, which is 22 letters mm-hmm. uh, in the Hebrew language um, that make up uh, the Hebrew alphabet. And that th- those 22 letters, if you wanted to know them, they're Psalm 119. Mm-hmm. It's what's called an acrostic, uh, which is uh, an A to Z, so to speak, in Hebrew, an A uh, to the end of it. So it's 22 letters. And if you look at the headings of the sections of Psalm 119, uh, you'll see all of the Hebrew letters. It's right there in your English Bible. And mm-hmm. Incidentally, Psalm 119, the acrostic, the poetry, is that the beginning of that section starts with the letter mm-hmm. that uh, that is above it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's picture language. So it's descriptive. Yeah. It is it is um, it is uh, alive. It's artistic, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak. And so the 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 letters themselves are artistic. And so mm-hmm. the language. Uh, that flows from it is is very artistic and in fact quite beautiful when you begin to study it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, even when you read it and you're able mm-hmm. to read it, uh, when you read through it, it's like you hear the pictures. Mm-hmm. Like reading Genesis one, you yeah. hear that picture of creation unfolding in the Hebrew. But here's the inter- interesting thing about Hebrew, and this is why it's difficult for a lot of people. Hebrew reads right to left. Yes, and not left to right. You know, the English language reads left to right. We understand that. But when you start reading backwards, you're like, what am I going to do with this? Yeah, right? yeah. And it's it, it, it again, the creative mind has to be engaged. That's why the creative because, again, like an ancient language, like the far eastern languages that are still ancient, that still have their ancient characters. Right to left was actually the first way humankind began to write mm-hmm. and think and read. Um, some say because of the dominance of the right hand, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but Hebrew becomes challenging for us in the Western world because we are fixed to start on the left and go this way and mm-hmm. go to the right. Um, but but as you do that, and, 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 you know, science says when you engage your brain to do these kind of crazy things, you start thinking clearer and that kind of thing. So Hebrew is actually difficult, strange. But it's also developmental if you yeah. try to read it and learn it. Helps you become more clairvoyant. Yes, yes, <laughs> indeed, absolutely, absolutely. So, so the other thing that I, I learned about Hebrew and it has been difficult for me, it is a very guttural language. you yes. got to use all of this yeah. to, to say the words. And I've had difficulty doing that. Um, just the way they, they pronounce words, it's yeah. been tough for me. But I've learned to pick up some along the way. But you can hear some when we say some here in a minute. Yeah, we, we, we do not say them correctly. So if yeah. you've traveled with us to the Holy Land, and Lord knows I want COVID to be over so we can go back, um, our guide, um, Adam, and our friend Money Mike, who drives us, uh, our friends there, um, they speak around us, the Hebrew, and, and we'll talk about Aramaic, and when they make those guttural sounds, and Adam tries to help me every year to get it right. <laughs> so as much as I think, like, I got this one, I got this one, he's like, yeah. no, actually, it's it's not a, because there's a difference between a huh and a huh, and right. it's very, you know what I mean? And they're like, no, that's that's not the huh, that's a huh. Yeah. And it's like, man, what, what what's the difference? And they yeah. just, yeah. they have it, and it's, it's, it's one of those things. Um, you're not going to get it right, mm-hmm. so just you'll be all right. Don't yeah. even don't even worry about it. Yeah. Don't even worry about yeah. it. Yeah, we just try, yeah. And, yeah. and we do our best, right? Yeah. yeah. So we want to talk about a couple of uh, Hebrew words that people may be aware of mm-hmm. now, and they've heard them probably in in regular conversation, or probably heard them from folks who may be around them. And we want to go ahead and, and talk about a couple of those words because. People ascribe different meanings to some of these words, and we'll talk about this in our word study portion, and we may touch on a little bit here. But 
what we have to understand about each one of these words is that they have kind of a dynamic range of meaning. Yes. And you cannot ascribe one meaning to each time a word appears. You have to look at the context of the words. And we, we have those kinds of, of, of words in English, uh, John, you know, depending on the, and some things are colloquial. Right. So the literal meaning is not the meaning I'm meaning when mm-hmm. I say it. So if I say, man, that's a bad shirt you have on. Right. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm actually mm-hmm. saying it's good. But colloquially, you understand. Mm-hmm. But 2,000 years from now, yeah. if someone were to see it written down, they would be saying, well, Philip was insulting John's shirt. <laughs> you know what I mean? When I'm actually right. complimenting. So there, it's that kind of thing. We have to bring that kind of mind um, to the to such context matters. You'll hear that all season, all, all season long. Context, context, context. context it's right? everything. It's everything. So to your point, if I say I'm going to go run on a treadmill, that's very different from me saying I'm going to run to the store. Exactly. Or the vines are running up the side of my house. They're yep. not literally running. No. But there are three different meanings of that word run, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's what we're going to help you guys understand. And through our tools and resources, help you understand there's different meanings for different words in scripture. And you got to be able to unpack that and see that. And you can't gloss over it. No, no. And, and I want to say one more thing, John, before we get going real good. And we'll talk about English translations in a moment. I do want us to, uh, to understand as we're talking about this, the translators through the centuries have really done a pretty good job phenomenal, yeah. of, of communicating. And when I'm saying pretty good, minimizing, they've done a phenomenal, excellent, tremendous job of communicating what these words mean, and there are nuances some in some places, and there are um, there are um, um, some cultural things that we have to build the bridges about. Mm. But I don't want you to think that that you cannot read the Bible with understanding from the English translation. You but, can you do can. so. Yes. Yeah, you can. Yes, you can do so. So let's start with uh, shalom. 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 Y'all, y'all have heard the word shalom, right, in the Hebrew. Well, let's look at a text here where that word appears in the original text. We're not going to read your Hebrew, okay? Mm -hmm. Don't get nervous. (laughs) We're about to read English, but I'm going to tell you where shalom appears in the the text so you can see it, okay? We're going to look at uh, Judges chapter Mm 6. Interesting uh, appearance here. And we we talked about this in the uh, previous episode. Uh, I, I think this may be a uh, theophany mm-hmm. yes, uh, appearance yes. to Gideon mm-hmm. here in his call. There's an angel who appears there uh, to him. And um, in this appearance, he asked uh, Midian to do something with some food. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and he touched the meat and he consumed the meat and then he was out. Yep. Pew. Yep. <laughs> and Gideon here in chapter six, verse 24 says this, um, well, I'm going to read 22 to 24. Yeah, that's good. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, alas, O Lord, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace be to you. He was nervous. Mm -hmm. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is shalom yep to this day it still stands in Ophrah, which belongs to the abizarites so this text 
is an encounter with the angel of the Lord. He's afraid because he, he knows seeing God face to face yes. means impending death. Yes. So the, 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 the holiness of God is so intense and our wretchedness is so pervasive that to see God face to face means you should die. So whenever God shows up and whenever you have those Old Testament theophanies, we talked about it last week, physical manifestations of God. And we believe the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament before Christ is incarnated in the new uh, through Mary's womb. This is God. And they know when they know it's God, they think, oh, I'm going to die because God is too holy and I'm too wretched. And God graciously gives them um, the privilege of, of seeing an aspect of him. Uh, without having to be fully consumed by the brightness of his holiness. And so yeah. this is this is God saying, hey, hey, chill. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to kill you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't come here to show my face to kill you. That's yeah. that's what this is about. Yeah. yeah. And so so Gideon here um, says that the Lord himself is Shalom. He mm-hmm. he personifies this peace, this this completeness. Right. Mm-hmm. I bring that up because in Genesis 43, we see um, Joseph encountering his brothers Mm -hmm. and he says to his brothers, he says, what about the the old man? My dad. Yeah. Uh, He said, is it well with him? Right. Uses the same word. Right. Shalom. Shalom. Is it shalom with him? Now, there are two different meanings here. Mm -hmm. Gideon is saying here that the Lord is peace. Mm -hmm. And then shalom in that instance means that. I want to know how you're doing. Yeah. Is is there just this sense of well-being for my father? Yes. So when we see Shalom show up in those different contexts, it means totally different things. Yeah. And and so the, the idea, let's let's talk about, let's get into a piece of, and I may be ahead of us, mm-hmm. a piece of transliteration. Mm-hmm. Uh, so translation is taking what the word means from the Hebrew to what the word means in English. So... Um, yeah. You would take the Hebrew letters for Shalom, and then you would say this means peace. Mm-hmm. That's translation. This is what the word means. Transliteration is taking the characters of the Hebrew alphabet and finding corresponding characters in the English alphabet to create the sound. Yeah. So in our language, the transliteration of that Hebrew word is S-H-A. L-O-M, mm-hmm. Shalom. Mm-hmm. Well, Hebrew originally wasn't written with vowels. It was writ- originally an only consonant language. So originally, when these books were written, it would have just been one letter, which is S-H, that's one letter, and then L and M. Mm-hmm. The thing about it, Pastor John, is that Shalom, or the word peace, has different mm-hmm. um has different vowels at times. Yep. So you have the A-O, Shalom, the one we all know. But then there's Shalim, S-H-E-L-E-M, which again changes the meaning or the usage depending on the context. So when translators and transliterators, when scholars look at this word, they're looking at all of the statement, the whole story, right. and they're coming up with the best term mm-hmm. in their mind to make it make sense in the story. Mm-hmm. And some of it is very much common sense. We we know that peace makes sense here. This version of peace, God, peace does not just mean calm or serenity in right. Hebrew. It means wholeness. It, it's life without holes. God is complete, mm-hmm. is what he's saying here in 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 high theological worship language. Yeah. It's a it's a liturgical term here. Yeah. Genesis 43 is just a common 
is he okay? <laughs> right. <laughs> is, and, and Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? That's that's. And so those same word, mm. same letters, mm. but context matters. Mm. So when we study the original language, or when we try to engage the original language, yeah. what we're attempting to do is we're attempting to see from that culture and in that context how this word is used. Mm so that we can understand what the passage really means. That's the point of it. We're, we're not just trying to l- learn another language for the sake of being eggheads, mm-hmm. <laughs> although we are Bible nerds. <laughs> we're really, it's getting at the meaning. Yeah. And I have to take each passage individually, as mm-hmm. it were, mm-hmm. to find its meaning um, before I try to take two passages and stick them together. And this is why this is so important. And this we nerding out right now, but it's important because Paul's letters, mm-hmm. as he introduces his letters, he uses this Greek custom mm-hmm. of grace and peace, right? But superimposes mm-hmm. this Hebrew concept of shalom. Shalom. Yes. Yeah. May God's peace mm-hmm. be with you mm-hmm. as I write this letter. Like they don't have a, a concept of <laughs> Yahweh's peace in the Greco-Roman culture customary introduction to those letters but he is thinking about the shalom of god as he's writing that right yeah yeah he's bringing he's he's adding hot sauce he's putting hot sauce on the word he's he's bringing more weight to their term um he's he's increasing its intensity because from him as a hebrew peace in light it's not small Mm. The Lord is peace, <laughs> so it can't be light. It can't be small. Mm-hmm. So when he when it's a common greeting in the in in the Greek world, but it is very intense and very significant when Paul says grace and peace. Mm-hmm. Um, my friends laugh at me, John, because when I preach through books, uh, they say you're the only one who preaches greetings alone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> most people read the greeting and then so go. Through. Much. But no, I there's there's power in the greeting because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, absolutely it's intense. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really intense. So when you look at that word shalom. You'll see it in various contexts, and the in the Hebrew, the weight of it, mm. as it were, depends on the context. Mm. You know, it, it sometimes it's just a greeting. Mm. Sometimes it's just a greeting, and then other times it speaks of something very significant, very important, very yeah. powerful. Yeah, as 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 it were in this text, one of the dynamic aspects of the character of God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Chesed. Chesed. I need y'all to say that. Yeah. In, in the chat. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, this this Hebrew word is a very important word very in Scripture. Important. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means steadfast love or the faithfulness mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. And we're going to look at Exodus chapter 34, which is a very important instance of God's chesed showing up in Scripture. And and I want to I want to jump the gun, John, and say that Go in ahead. the King James this term is generally translated mercy. Mm. But our English mercy as it's used today mm. does not really capture its its essence. Mm. Because we think of mercy as, you know, and, and rightfully so, mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. Yeah. But that's not all that he said is. It is instead, the I, if you heard me preach any for five minutes, you've heard me say it's the loyal love of God. Yeah. It, it literally means steadfast love or faithfulness. Mm. So um, let's read this passage, and we'll talk about another yeah. another passage or two. Just For just sure. refer to it for yeah. sure. Yeah. So so um, Exodus thirty four, 
Moses is now making these new tablets because they they messed up. Yeah, yeah. He he done, he done broke. The <laughs> he done broke the other tablets yeah, because right. they down there doing something crazy as he's getting the first law. So mm-hmm. he he is commanded here to cut new tablets of stone. But here's the crazy part: as he's cutting these new tablets of stone and beginning to implement this law, mm-hmm. uh, and so many people concentrate on the law, but look at what happens here in the text. As this is happening in verse number six, I'll start with the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in chesed, mm-hmm. steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping chesed love for thousands, mm-hmm. forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Yeah. Yeah. I I want to say stuff about the passage, but let's talk about the word. (laughs) Let's talk about the word. (laughs) So, 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 so context again, Moses goes up on the mountain. He's gone a long time. God first writes the 10 commandments on stone. God's own self with like God's finger. He writes it. And then Moses is coming down with the tablets and they're down there worshiping a golden calf that they done made Aaron make. And so Moses in his anger throws the God written tablets down and they break. And then God says, look, this is one of the, one of the Mm. craziest incidents in Bible for me. God says, all right, I'm going to send an angel to take you to the promised land, but I ain't going. Mm -hmm. And Moses says, God, if you don't go, we ain't going. We ain't going. And so Moses and God have this encounter, and God says, okay, I'm going I'm to keep my word. I'm going. But now you got to chisel out the commandments mm-hmm. that you done broke. Mm-hmm. So Moses now has to chisel out the commandments that God has given these ten uh, great commandments, which are really an encapsulation of the entirety mm-hmm. of the law. And now with this word, yeah. there is a, a further revelation or confirmation of God's faithfulness, but not in the place of God's holiness. Mm. And that's what this passage is about. God is faithful. God is loving. God forgives. And yet there is accountability yeah. for sin. Yeah. Now, what the whole Bible in the Old Testament points to Jesus, mm. what, what the gospel is going to say mm. is that God visited that, that due wrath on Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that what is left for those of us who trust Christ's cross mm. is this hesed. That, hesed yeah. that steadfast love, Yeah, that right? steadfast love. Yeah. Because the, the latter part, that judgment, that, that wrath. It's still there. It's there. It didn't, it, God does, he, he has to. Mm. His holiness demands retribution. Yeah. But he put it on Jesus rather than on us mm. and rather than on our children's children. Yeah. I could say something about generational curses here, but I won't. <laughs> I won't say nothing about it. So. So, yeah. 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 So. So this is this idea of chesed. Mm-hmm. And, and then we see that show up in that psalm that we read um, in Psalm 130. Which one was that? Six, seven or eight. Oh, yeah. The one that repeats that refrain of, yes. of steadfast love steadfast over and love. over again. Yeah. That, yeah. The steadfast love, that call and response, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. So those, so the people are rehearsing yeah. this steadfast love in the psalm, this said of God. Yeah. Um, it's almost as if they're anticipating that God's going to figure out this justice piece. Yeah, and, and, and said is, John, it is perhaps the most used characteristic of God mm-hmm. because, oh man, 
<laughs> okay, 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 okay. So God's most descriptive characteristic, the thing that God is m- most for us to understand about God is holy. Yeah. Holiness is otherness. It's difference. It's alienness. Hmm. When we speak of God, we speak of God with a capital H, holy. There's nobody, nowhere, nothing like God. But that is God existing in that state without context. Yeah, that's good. Has said is God in context of relationship with humanity. Mm-hmm. So holiness, God is holy, whether or not he created a world, a universe, time, space, matter, and humanity. Holiness is just, that's, 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 God's, that's God's essence. But has said requires an object. Has mm-hmm. said requires that there be something to be has said about <laughs> or to. <laughs> Right. And so his said is the most descriptive characteristic of God in relationship to us. Mm, yeah. And so, the, again, this is the beauty of the language, to understand the weight of this word. So when you translated mercy in the English or even faithfulness or yeah. steadfast love, mm-hmm. to, you got to see it in the Hebrew. you got to see that the Hebrew means, again, it's a picture language. Yeah. It's a poetic word. Yeah. It, it, it means... God's godness to you mm. in favorable ways mm. that will not stop ever for any reason under any circumstance mm. that so the we need a whole paragraph to describe in English what his said means in Hebrew yeah, it, yeah. it's a it's a powerful word about the fact that you can't do anything mm. about being loved by God God just loves you because God loves you yeah and yeah. and and the Hebrew, when you see that word now in your English Bible, when you see steadfast love or you see mercy in the Old Testament, you grasp that this is more than just some light word. This is like, bow, mm-hmm. boom, bam. This is mm-hmm. this is God's godness to me in favorable ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you miss that if we just gloss over that English translation yeah. without understanding this, yeah. which is why it's so important. And and this is this is why uh, Lamentations three, you know, everybody's favorite. Um, it is of the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Mm. Well, it's God's godness to me, mm-hmm. and it's new every morning. Every day. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. sir. Thank you, sir. All right, so <laughs> let's talk about Yeshua. Oh, yes. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> go invite go invite your, Every woke, one of them. your woke friends <laughs> right now. Seriously, I'm being serious. Go invite your woke friends. Mm-hmm. Go invite your... Um, Hebrew Israelite friends, sons, cousins, daughters. Let's talk about Yeshua. Mm. Let's talk about Yeshua. Yeah, yeah. So Yeshua is the word that literally means God is my salvation. It is um, Joshua's name in the Old Testament, right? So, so what we have this word show up uh, in the Old Testament as Yeshua. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I think we should probably dive into the fact that Jesus' name yes. is Yeshua yes. in the Hebrew. Yes. And it means God is my salvation. Yes. But there are some folks who um, say that when Christians say the name of Jesus, right. that that ain't him. Yeah. We're we not using the original language to express... Uh, our Messiah. No, no, no. They say that's not his name. That's not his they name. They say Jesus is not his name. Well, here's yeah. the thing. Here's yeah. the thing about it. Ooh. So 
Jesus' name in Hebrew is Yeshua. Yesh, or Yeshua. Yeah. The translation is God is salvation or God is my salvation. Mm-hmm. The transliteration of the Hebrew Yeshua in English is Please ja- listen. is Joshua. Jesus' name is Joshua. Is Yeshua? Is Joshua? Same name. Mm-hmm. The meaning doesn't change because I put it into an English transliteration. Don't change. It doesn't change the fact that the name means God is salvation or God is my salvation. Mm. Joshua, when you translate Yeshua into Greek, it is pronounced, again, transliteration is pronounced Jesus. Mm. Mm. It's pronounced Jesus. And so we transliterate the Greek letters into J-E-S-U-S. Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus. Same name. Mm. Same. If you were saying in Spanish, it would be pronounced Jesus. Same name. So, so, So here's my thing. And here's the thing that makes me upset about this, okay? Because Jesus, mm-hmm. the name Jesus, is a common name. Common. common when, I, name. when I was in seminary, I read a book. It was assigned to us. It says, Jesus is my uncle. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a book <laughs> on missions. Yeah. It's, it's about Hispanic missions mm-hmm. because a lot of their uncles yes. are Jesus. Yes. My thing is, if you got a problem with Jesus... I don't necessarily have a problem with you having. Let's talk about Christ. Yes, that's that's the that's the issue. Let's talk about Christ because the name Christ in the Greek is Christos, which mm-hmm. comes from is a translation, yes. not a transliteration, translation. but a translation of the word Messiah, Mashiach, yeah, in the Hebrew, yeah. which means the Anointed One, capital A. So, capital so Christ a. isn't his last name; it's a title. Yes, and that's the thing that got him in trouble. Yes. If they would have said Jesus is the Jesus, yeah. then the Pharisees wouldn't have cared. Right. But right. when they said Jesus is the Christ, the Christ, that's when they said this was blasphemy. Yeah. Because this is the anointed one. This is God himself, right? And and John, for 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 clarity, your name transliterated from Hebrew is Jonah. That's it. My name in Spanish would be Felipe. Felipe. Yeah. In French it would be Philippe. The the there, there is a spelling of Philip. Um, with one L, there's a spelling of Philip that is correct with two L's. Mm. So, so it's it you. It doesn't matter what language you say it in. What matters is the intent. The meaning yeah. does not change. Not the pronunciation of the letters. So, here's the other thing. You're not even saying it right. You're not. Look, look, listen. Look at me. Listen. Look at me right now. Look at me. You ready? You're not saying it. Right. Yeshua is not how you say it. <laughs> You're still wrong. Yeah. You have your emphasis in the wrong place. Yeah. And and so and because of your English <laughs> language proclivities, the way your mouth moves and the way your throat pronounces sounds because this is what you grew up in, you're not going to say it right. How are you a Hebrew Israelite and you don't know Hebrew? Help me. Yeah. Yeah. Help me yeah. understand that. Yeah. And and let me be very clear. 
this name, the power in this name does not come, it's not a magic spell. It's not, no. it's not abracadabra. Hmm. Listen, listen, listen. Some of y'all think Harry Potter's the devil, but me and my family, we like Harry Potter. <laughs> it's, it's not a Harry Potter spell, mm-hmm. you know, expelliarmus, whatever it is. It, it's not that. Yeah. It is a reference to a person, mm-hmm. to the second person of the Trinity, eternal, unchanging God who came in flesh, who lived sinlessly, who died in our place and who was raised triumphantly to verify that the sacrifice he made is fully acceptable and we can be fully forgiven and we can have eternity with God outside of the wrath that was due to us. Mm. That's what it means when I say that name. It is not important what language I say it in. It's important what person I'm referring to. That's right. That's good. It's important what person I'm referring to. And so when you look at that name, and again, John, it's common. There were a bunch of folk named Joshua. There are still a bunch of folk named Joshua. There were a bunch of folk in, in Jesus' day. It was a common yeah. name. This is why they refer to him of, as Jesus of, of Nazareth. Nazareth. It's a specific one. This one, this Jesus. He from North Little Rock. Yeah, right, He's from right, Little Rock. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. You know, Jesus from up on 12th Street. That's that Jesus. Yeah. And it, it refers to the specific person. And the most important part is not the letters or the pronunciation. It's the individual I'm referring to when I call that name. And when we say there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved, we're not talking about the name itself. Mm. We're talking about the person that the name refers to. Yes, sir. Yes, That's sir. that. I'm, and I want to I want to drive that home. Tell them, y'all, listen, tell them when they say, well, his name is Yeshua. Anyway, they ain't tell them you ain't even pronouncing yes, that right. Ain't got it right. So you don't you ain't calling his name either because that ain't how you say it. <laughs> Got to end that one right there. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I think that was important because a lot of folks use that as an argument to mm-hmm. say, "Oh, well, I don't need to be a believer in Christian." Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you ain't even got the language no, right, man. No, at you all. Have, you don't have, and the and the intent of it, um, the intent of the of the conversation mm-hmm. around it is just to confuse those who think. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who they believe are, are weak and vulnerable in faith. And if you don't, this is why the knowing the languages is important. Yeah. Knowing at least about them. Yeah. Um, even if you're not a Hebrew scholar, knowing about them to answer those kinds of questions in engaging yeah. um, people who are trying to undermine your faith and trying to overthrow um, your, your walk with God to mm-hmm. say, hey, first of all, the name is the same. Mm-hmm. And second of all, you ain't saying it right. And what matters is who it is, not, right. not how I say it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we talked about, we're talking about three languages. Mm-hmm. We just talked about Hebrew. Let's talk about Aramaic. Aramaic. Yep. Now, this is an interesting language mm-hmm. because it is also a Semitic language, but it is a language that the Jewish people picked up during their exile. So, yes. so they are exiled from the promised land. They go into these uh, pagan cultures and they are living in those cultures as exiles before they come back to the promised land. Yeah. So uh, while they're there as part of the Persian Empire, the Persian Empire, their native tongue is Aramaic. Yes. And as with exiles, you learn the language 
of the people group that yeah. you live around. Yeah, yeah, and and it's 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 just it's just matter of factly. So you know we talk about it all the time. The, the kingdom split after Solomon's reign, yeah. 722. The Assyrians come and take the northern part, the northern ten tribes. 586 on the, in his third campaign, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon take the southern group. Daniel chapter 1 says that they bring people like Daniel, Hananiah, uh, Azariah, and Mishael, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They bring them into Babylon, and chapter 1 of Daniel says they teach them the language and literature mm-hmm. of the Chaldeans or of the Babylonians. So one of the things you had to do in order to have a job, <laughs> in order to do business, is you had to learn the native language yeah. of the land that you lived in. And when that empire began to spread into other areas many people preserved their own language but they had to learn the empire's language in order to be able to function mm-hmm. and so that's why they took on aramaic mm-hmm. as one of the uh, languages that they were that they became fluent in mm-hmm. um, it's actually a bridge language mm-hmm. yep. between the old testament and the new yep. um, because even though the new testament is written in greek jesus spoke aramaic he did. The Jesus spoke Aramaic, and it's very close to Hebrew. It's it's very similar in many ways. Uh, many of the words are the same, but pronounced differently. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it comes from, the, again, it's a Semitic language. When we say Semitic, we're talking about Noah's son, Shem, yep. uh, who is the father of, um, of Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob and that group, but also Ishmael and, and all of those uh, Edomites, all of those other people groups uh, around them. And, and so their languages were very, very similar. So Aramaic is the empire's language that became a part of their daily dialogue mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of just doing business. And, and we see Aramaic, to your point, the Jews in the first century, when they came back, mm-hmm. they retained the language and spoke Aramaic. Yes. And Jesus spoke Aramaic. Yes. Um, they understood Hebrew. Mm-hmm. They're able to stand up in the synagogues, as Jesus did, and read from the scrolls, right? Mm-hmm. But also understood Aramaic. So... Uh, I want to look at a couple of Aramaic words mm-hmm. uh, in Scripture just so we can look and see that they show up. Yes. Uh, and we're going to look into ones in the New Testament. Yes. You did mention Daniel. I want you guys to go and look at those because a lot of words in there are Aramaic words uh, to your point on yeah. the exile. Yeah, Daniel and then, uh, again, post-exile uh, literature has Aramaic in it. So you, you have some Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, which is actually in the time of uh, during the exile period. Um, when they're not in in their homeland, and so you have Aramaic there, and it becomes um, again, I say, a, a bridge language. Yeah. Uh, we're going to look at Mark chop, chapter number five, and um, this is a passage in Mark's gospel where uh, Jesus is on the way to do something. He heals a woman, mm-hmm. and then Jairus. Uh, <laughs> Ruler wanted to have his daughter healed, and he get, gets interrupted by this woman with the issue of blood. Yeah, and so as he makes his way to the house, um, this woman um, and their their folks are there are are mourning. Yeah, so uh, so, so the Jairus has Jesus come to the house. The woman with the issue of blood doesn't mean to interrupt John. Yeah. She touches the hem of his garment. She's trying to stay secret. Jesus is the one who stops and starts a conversation. <laughs> hey, who are you? What's going on with your life? Right. What? Yeah. Say it more. Who your mama is? Jesus mm-hmm. is the one being is delaying. Mm-hmm. We believe, I believe, deliberately yeah. <laughs> uh, for the sake of proving that he's not just a healer. He's able to bring mm-hmm. uh, back people back to life. Um, and so now that that conversation is over, they come to Jairus, the ruler, and say, mm-hmm. hey, man, she's dead. Don't even worry about uh, uh, talking to Jesus anymore. And Jesus interrupts his conversation and says, hey, 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 
don't listen to them. We still going to be all right. Mm-hmm. And let's keep on walking. So now they yeah. come to the house. Yeah, such a such a good connection there. And we'll talk about Mark and the sandwiches he uses yeah. with his, his own interruptions in the story. Yes. But there's a connection between this woman who has issue for 12 years yeah. and, and the then girl. this young, young yeah. girl is 12 years 12 old. 12 years old, yeah. So, so what we see here in verse number 38 is they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing. They did this normally in this culture. This mm-hmm. was part of their process of mourning. And, and if you had money, you hired mourners. Yeah. There were people who were professional mourners. Yeah, yeah. They came by the funeral home, the fune, <laughs> and and acted up. Yeah. And and when he had entered, he said to them, "Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping." And they laughed at him. That's how you know they were professionals because they didn't mean it. <laughs> they, they they went from crying and hollering to laughing, to laughing. just that fast. <laughs> but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and t- and those who were with him, and went in where the child was taking her by the hand he said to her talitha kumi which means little girl i say to you arise this is aramaic aramaic this is an aramaic phrase that he's using here and mark intentionally uses that phrase here in the text yeah yeah it is it is jesus's everyday language yeah this is just the language that he speaks and um it's interesting to me that mark especially is going to put these Aramaic words in and then tell us what they mean yeah. um, for the sake of building cultural connections um, among among Jews and Gentile believers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because his audience demands it, Yes, in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Matthew's right. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, so let's talk about Mark chapter 15, uh, same gospel, and uh, this is Jesus, uh, his words from the cross. In the verses number 33 through 35. And uh, it was the sixth hour. Uh, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is a direct reference to Psalm 22. Psalm 22. Uh, he begins that psalm, but doesn't necessarily end it. It's interesting if you read through it, what the rest of it says. Yeah. But but it is uh, him uttering these words from the cross in Aramaic. Yes. And people were confused. Yeah. Like, yeah. he calling Elijah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, again, Greek was the dominant language yeah. mm-hmm. of the day. But the common, common Jew spoke Aramaic. Yeah. Generally, they were... Bilingual, you could really say trilingual because Hebrew, Aramaic, and and Greek. Um, mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting about about that Psalm twenty two is it's the most, it's one of the most descriptive, um, prophetic passages about the crucifixion of Jesus. Several very specific crucifixion details yeah. are in Psalm twenty two, and this is one of them. My God, my God, why have you? forsaken me hmm. is a is a cry of pain and agony and that kind of thing and if we had time hmm. we could go into how psalm 22 23 and 24 go together yep. and all of them speak about jesus both um or, or as a suffering uh savior as a shepherd Separate and then as a sovereign yeah uh, 22 yeah. 23 and 24 this is in the suffering um this it, it still confuses people john let quick i got a friend in chicago who tells the story People know seven last words services. <laughs> and so uh, there, you know, Jesus has seven cries from the cross or seven last words that he speaks while he's on the cross. 
and uh, someone had this word, uh, which we generally put in the fourth place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, El- Eloi, Eloi in, in Mark, um, mm-hmm. Matthew's going to generally say Eli, Eli, Eli yeah. uh, <laughs> Lama Vaktenai. And so <laughs> the person is, is preaching. This is a preacher. And he says, <laughs> and Jesus said, Elijah, Elijah, something another Sabatini. <laughs> Just so this. <laughs> This was a preacher in the pulpit right. preaching this text. So listen, it it could it still catches folk up. It caught it caught folk up in this day. Mm-hmm. It catches people up uh, in that day. But Jesus is speaking Aramaic. It's his. I like it because speaking Aramaic, the common tongue of his common people, people. yeah, is another evidence mm. of the condescension of the Christ from mm. from eternity into time. He becomes fully human. Yeah. Uh, so that he can suffer and speak in the way we would have spoke uh, on the cross. Yes, sir. That, that's what it. That's what it's for. Yes, sir. That's what it's and, for. And and we're going to get to common language mm-hmm. a little bit more here too yes. in just a second. But I want to mention. I want them to write down First uh, Corinthians sixteen and mm-hmm. twenty one, twenty two. Yeah. Uh, Paul in that text he says, and he does this a lot at the end of his letters. He's like, I'm writing this with my own hands. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because he had a secretary of sorts, yes, right? Yeah. That person would write the letters for him. But he get to the end and say, I'm I'm gonna sign my own signature yeah, on it. Yeah. And yeah. then he gets to the end and he says um, the uh, Aramaic word Maranatha, mm-hmm. which means Lord come. Mm-hmm. Lord come. So that word Maranatha that y'all may hear or see on mm-hmm. churches yeah. uh, actually means something in the Aramaic. Yeah, and, and it's it's it, it's Lord come as a request or the Lord has come as a statement. Yeah. Um, the fact that Christ has come, yes, but then Lord come. That's it's it's actually the cry mm-hmm. for people who long for big word eschatological fulfillment, the end times fulfillment that we are tired of the world being as broken and raggedy as it is <laughs> and so we're saying maranatha lord come and that's 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 a powerful aramaic word it sure is yeah. it sure is all right so hebrew aramaic and now we get to greek or koine greek this is koine a specific greek. type of greek so the greek language has had several iterations mm-hmm. uh, classical greek is what a lot of the greek writers that you may know uh, homer all the poets and stuff mm-hmm. would write in mm-hmm. which is the greek, greek language and the, and the church fathers so it's called attic a-t-t-i-c greek mm-hmm. um, that's the formal greek um, language and in fact john that's the greek i studied mm-hmm. <laughs> i studied with the with the Pontifical Faculty of the Immaculate Conception (PFIC), which is a Catholic, <laughs> is a Catholic <laughs> order of Dominican of Dominican monks. I studied mm-hmm. Greek with them, and wow. our teacher said, our professor said, "I want you to learn Attic because if you read Attic, you can read the Church Fathers easily. Mm-hmm. You can translate the Church Fathers because they wrote in the formal, mm-hmm. um, but you can also recoin it. You'll always be able to recoin it if you can read Attic. Mm-hmm. So it's it's again." Very regimented, very yeah. very rule oriented. Yeah, and and in contrast, so to speak, with Koine Greek, Koine was the common Greek language yeah. for commoners. I mean, regular folk. Yeah, spoke and wrote in Greek the Greek language. The 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 the, the parallel today, and and this this may be off putting to some people. The New Testament is written in this common language. The parallel would be like Ebonics. Yeah, it would it would be in the same way we talk to one another um, in in our common everyday good slang language. What, what's up, son? You know what I'm saying? Is <laughs> yeah. is that kind of yeah? 
Yeah. You know, y'all, it's 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 y'all instead of you all. It's, and and it's, why is that important? Because in this culture, in this society, um, as as we've talked about through church history, that there are folks who felt like they had a grasp on who God was. Mm-hmm. And so now the apostles turn around and say, we're going to use common language to speak the people's language to address not just their issues, but tell them about the God that we worship and that we serve and about this Christ who came to redeem us. And, and not only that, but other than Paul and Luke, mm-hmm. you're dealing with essentially people who are not formally educated. Yep. So they wrote, this is, this is God's authorship through human instrumentation. Facts. Um, so when Mark is writing down Peter's recollections, Peter is clearly ignorant. <laughs> in, in Acts chapter 4, he, they say yeah. he, these are ignorant and unlearned men. Mm-hmm. He grew up fishing. He, he, wasn't, he yeah. wasn't a, a, a Hebrew scholar. He went to synagogue and Hebrew school like everybody Facts. else. But, but yeah. he had the basics, but he wasn't no, a major scholar. Mm-hmm. He was a fisherman. Yep. But he had been with Jesus. That's what was clear. Sure. And um, you know, you, you talk about Matthew again, mm-hmm. um, not formally educated in, yeah. a, in, a, in a Greek system, yeah. but again, a Hebrew, but grew up to be a trader, tax collector. Mm-hmm. Same thing with John. John was a, a, the youngest. He's maybe in his teens when Jesus calls him saint. These are common folks. These, yeah. are, these are regular folks. You got James and Jude who are Jesus' brothers. Again, mm-hmm. they're going to be from Nazareth. They're not going to have the formal education. Right. So other than Luke and, and, and Paul— you're not, not going to have people that have that formal education. They, they're not going to have the form. They, they're going to they're going to write like they talk. And the Bible, one of the big keys to understand is it's, it's meant to be heard mm-hmm. because everybody couldn't read. That's right. Yeah. And so this is conversational language. Yeah. In the in the Greek New Testament. And and so that's to your point. That's why Peter, in his letter, is like y'all. I don't know what Paul talking about, right. but but he good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that boy good, but I just don't, you know he's hard to understand he's sometimes. All types of extra. So yeah. Paul even would switch between kind mm-hmm. of this longer, mm-hmm. more formal language, and also just kind of that basic language as well. Yeah, which makes him hard to read sometimes, sometimes for some people, yeah. right? And, and 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 again, when when he is um, establishing or 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 bringing something very doctrinal. He, he slips into that attic. And then Paul also is educated in Greek philosophy. Mm. Um, and so he is he is very familiar with Epicurean and Stoic philosophies and those kinds of things. And so those things work their way. Paul uses those kinds of languages and sentence structures mm. um, to build the argument for the gospel because he that's the world he's called to reach. Yeah. Uh, that's the world he's called to reach. Yeah. Um, and so you, you see that you see that very common and and the point of of of. Of, of this is that the language used was the language that would reach the broadest audience. Yeah. That that's the idea yeah. that, that, that it was for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this is why Greek may be easier for some folks who may be listening as well. Cause a lot of our English words derive from some of the Greek uh, language. Oh, yeah. um, so I, I have one example that I think is pretty pretty fun is uh, the word acrobat mm-hmm. in the English language. It comes from archibino, which means to walk on the edge. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's literally what it means. Exactly. To walk on the edge. <laughs> yeah. So acrobat comes from that word. And then another word, and you've taught on this passage in Mark, and mm-hmm. we don't have to turn there, but you can kind of give them an overview. 
uh, is the word uh, phobia yeah. in the English language, which means fear. So you yeah. got triskaidekaphobia, fear number 13. Yeah. You got arachnophobia, fear of spiders. Yeah. That word phobos is is the word fear, right? Yeah. And, and you know, when you look at that Mark 4 passage, that's Jesus on a storm with the disciples and they wake him up. Um, and he says, why are you so fearful? That's the first uh, time that the word fear is used in the text. And then the Bible says they had great fear after Jesus calms the storm, where the first fear means cowardice. Yeah. It, it's general, specific, uh, non-specific fear, just afraid of everything. Mm-hmm. But then after Jesus calms the storm, they have a phobia. Mm-hmm. They, are, they are only fearing Jesus, which is a form of reverence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there are so many words. The, the, the word for for um, like marathon running or, or, or racing training is agon, which is um, agony. We get agony from that. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when the leper in Luke 17 comes back and the Bible says that he cries out with a loud voice mm-hmm. to tell Jesus, thank you. Mm-hmm. Ten lepers are cleansed. Only one comes back to say thank you. That loud voice is megaphoneo. It's megaphone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's so uh, there are many, many places um, in the Greek New Testament that if you, if you look at the word and you see the ink, what we the transliteration, yeah, the English, what, what, what we what the English word we got from it, it helps to amplify the meaning of the word in the text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So, so that's kind of the overview of Koine Greek, and we'll we'll dive into some word study on Greek a little bit later. But I want to touch base also on this other piece called the Septuagint. Yes, which is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a group of seventy scholars. Uh, who wrote this book, and that's where Septuagint comes from. It's the words. It's the word meaning is seventy. So mm-hmm. seventy Hebrew scholars went through and translated the Old Testament into the Greek language again, trying to um, make sure they're able to translate into the language of the culture of the yep. people. Yeah. And the reason why that's important is because the Septuagint can help you understand. Uh, the Greek words and their Hebrew kind of equivalents as you look at both of those languages. And yeah. it's important for us to to kind of name that here on the podcast. Yeah, right? it's, it's a it's a tool um, that that helps understand Old Testament passages or understand how the first century Greco-Roman world mm-hmm. understood the Old Testament passages. Yeah. Um, it, it was something that would be referred to. So sometimes when Paul is quoting the Old Testament, he's quoting from the Septuagint, yeah. um, not the Hebrew. Yeah. Uh, and so that's important to understand when you're when you're looking at the at the letters that Paul writes and others. All right. We're going to do five. We're going to do translations in five minutes. Yeah, we can do it. Yep. I, yep. I'm sure we can. I believe it. I believe I, it. I'm I positive we can. All right. So let's talk about English translations, because we talked about the Hebrew and the Greek. And now uh, Hebrew translations, um, according to Wycliffe Bible translators, there are at least 17 and 717 different languages in which the Bible has been translated. Mm-hmm. We have several English translations. And I right. know the people are like, Pastor Pointer, what is the English translation I need to have in my study time that's going to be as close to this Hebrew and Greek text as I can get? Yes. Um, the answer is all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, go on and put your budget together yeah, and get all get, of them. Get all of them. <laughs> you, you can go online and you have, you'll, they'll give you all the parallel yeah. uh, uh, English versions in a lot of, of, of places online. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, each, I think that each, many of them have value. Now, I'm just going to, I'm just going to get on the soapbox and say, I don't like, I, I don't like the NIV although it's very widely used and it was very popular at one time yeah. because it was 
it was basically the anti-King James. Yeah. Uh, so King James came, and by the way, y'all, one more thing. We're we going to take 10 minutes instead of five. <laughs> <laughs> King James did not translate the Bible. Not. It's called the authorized version. He just authorized a group of scholars to translate yeah. into English. That's, That's all it. that he did. He was not Y'all go do anyway. it. Yeah, y'all, y'all, you have my permission. Go ahead on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not only that, um, but people argue that King James was a political, you know, move or something like that. They just tried to translate the Bible. That's all they were doing. That's it. I promise you that's all they were doing. And they did a pretty good doggone job. They did. They really did a good job. They did a great job. There are some things that the English has evolved Mm -hmm. so that the King James word, the time in 1611, what that word meant is not what it means now. For instance, the word conversation. Mm -hmm. If you have a King James Bible, um, it'll talk about, it'll say conversation. Let your conversation be such and such. It's not talking about talk, it's talking about walk. Mm-hmm. It's not talking about words, it's talking about lifestyle. So that word has evolved yeah. in the English language. Um, but King James did a good job. So then, then you know, most popular still to this day is King James. Then NIV came along, and the translators of the NIV, very astute and, and incredible scholars, but they deliberately yeah. altered some of the translation, not to make it more readable. They wanted a more readable version, but they did it to be anti-King James, mm-hmm. um, which if you're doing it so that you can be different on purpose, then there are some flaws. And yeah, I if, mean, you're looking at the King James and not the text to exactly. see what drives your translation. Exactly. That's a problem. That's a problem. And 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 deliberately. Now they so, out there burning their NIVs. Man. Yeah, man. I, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, but a lot of Proverbs, if you yeah. look in Proverbs, you'll yeah. see a lot of difference between a King James and a, and yeah. a, and, and, and the NIV. I am not personally a fan of the um, NIV. Um, you have the New Revised Standard Version, which is the mm-hmm. common seminary Bible. Yep. Um, it's purported to be the most scholarly accurate um, translation. So if you're in school, in seminary, they want you to use the NRSV, generally speaking. We have used generally here the ESV, the English Standard Version, um, and we use it um, because of its readability. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe it's very accurate um, and it's very readable. Um, The CSB, the the Christian Standard Bible, I think may have kind of leapfrogged the ESV. ESV in the last couple of years, the publishers have changed their perspective on mm-hmm. scripture. They're taking verses out, yeah. you know, and we, we can talk about the original manuscripts um, at another time. Um, I, I don't know that we have time for it. I, I will say that there are multiple Greek tr- manuscripts and they they agree in 99% yeah. of of the text. And then there are small places where they disagree, where, where this verse is not there or this mm-hmm. piece of a passage is not there. And I tend to lean toward the inclusion of those passages, not the yeah. exclusion, because it seems more likely to me that somebody would leave something out than put something yeah. in. And then your Bibles are honest about it. Yes. You'll, you'll see a footnote that mm-hmm. say this has been omitted or this yes. is a variant of yeah. this particular text, yeah. right? And, and so I, li- I like CSB. It's as readable, and I think they're staying more faithful um, to it. And then you have, um, so there's a difference between a translation 
and a paraphrase. Yeah. And this is key. This is super duper important. So I think I love the New Living Translation. Mm-hmm. In many ways, the message is very good. The original uh, kind of paraphrase that everybody had when we were younger was the Living Bible. Living Bible, yeah. So they don't mean to translate word for word or even thought for thought. They're just trying to give you the concept. Mm-hmm. It's more of an interpretation yeah. and or application than a translation. Yeah. Uh, and it can be helpful devotionally. Yeah. Um, it can be it can be encouraging. It can be um, um, soul uh, um, inspiring. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to try to understand the Bible yeah. from the New Living Translation or the Message Bible because that's not what they said. <laughs> that's not what they said. Yeah. Uh, and so there, and there are there are all kinds of other translations out there. Um, but I, I think kind of those are the main ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pastor John, I would recommend if somebody says, Pastor, what which one, do you which one should I get? I would say get an older ESV mm-hmm. um, before they did whatever the changes they did were or a CSB. CSB. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's 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 a good word, and I. You know, I want you all to realize that there are more literal translations and then there are paraphrases mm-hmm. and there are resources out there that kind of tell you on a timeline or a spectrum what they look like. But what we're saying is ESV, CSB. Mm-hmm. I mean, black church, we're going to love our King James, well, but you got to understand it's a great translation. It, it is. And I think, you know, in words, my granddaddy sounds more like God to me, <laughs> <laughs> but but it's 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 soul nourishing devotionally. I think what King James has over every other English translation is mm-hmm. is the Old Testament sounds poetic in yeah, King James. Yeah. And that's more like how the Hebrew would sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why the that's why Psalm twenty three is so like powerful in the King James. Yeah. Um the these and thys, as much as we talk about that <laughs> antiquated language and it is, we don't speak like that anymore. Right. But it sounds poetic mm-hmm. and and just the beauty of it. Sometimes yeah. the aesthetic matters. Mm-hmm the aesthetic of the King James, um, especially in Psalms and Proverbs, and many of the uh, prophetic um, utterances, Mm -hmm. it matters. So, and that's why you hear us when we're preaching and teaching, we try to give folks a good, good meal of what we feel like is a good translation. So you won't hear us very often use a message translate, like, because that's more of a devotional text. I mean, it's, it's useful for Mm -hmm. your devotional life, but Mm -hmm. if you want to kind of get the essence of what the writers are saying, we certainly would say use a more literal translation. And, and, and when we're, when we're training people to preach or teach, Mm -hmm. we're going to say, read it in as many translations as possible, including the paraphrases. And that's important because then you see the words that could be important for you to look at when they translate them differently. Yeah. So, so read it in, multiple translations um, because it's going to give you a more robust understanding and and what the possibilities are uh, in terms of what the passage means. And so, you know, it's really important. um, What what I really want people to leave with again is we have very, 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 very good translations in our hands. Good. If you use King James, if you use New King James, if you use ESV, if you use NRSV, if you use um, CSB, all of these translations, NASB is another one that, that is a very solid translation. You have a very good translation in your hand. You also have some devotional help or, or some things just to help you understand in the paraphrases. 
the message, the New Living Translation, the Good News Bible. Those things you have, your Bible is good. <laughs> That's what I want you to leave with. Your Bible is good. But one of the things that adds to a more robust understanding of what you have in your hand hmm. is engaging the resources that can help you to see originally what the what the words meant so you grasp the gravity mm. and the weight of them and the significance of them culturally for the audience and therefore for you yeah and over the course of this series we want to give y'all uh, opportunities to be able to dig deeper so here's what i want y'all to do before we come back next go round. i want you to look at first thessalonians chapter two. First thessalonians chapter two and read the entire chapter but focus on verse number 12 and we're going to in our growth factor group go join it on facebook we're going to circle back and do a session that talks about verse number 12 and some of the nuances there in the words that we were just talking about in the different translations so get all your bible translations uh, we're going to give you a free resource as well that gives you all those translations that you can put side by side and then we'll talk about this particular text in light of what we just talked about here on this episode. Yeah, and, and just, I mean, you can do it online. Um, there, there are a bunch of websites that have um, um, all the translations. I, I give people all the time, blueletterbible.org yep. is, a, is, is a great one, blueletterbible, all one word, dot org. Um, the Bible app on your phone has a gajillion translations <laughs> to read passages in uh, in varying, and some of them will read to you. Again, the Bible is meant to be heard. Mm. When you're reading these translations, read out loud because the Bible is meant to be heard. So read it out loud, and that also will help you um, to grab some of the significance of of the language. Well, this has been our lessons on language, and we're grateful for you all joining us here on this particular episode. We ask that you all would follow us on our Facebook group, The Growth Factor. Also, leave a rating and review on all the major podcast platforms. We look forward to coming back next go round as we continue our series, The Make It Make Sense. This has been The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and join our Facebook group, The Growth Factor, for daily motivational content. Let's keep the conversation going. Thank you for listening.